Get ready for adventure. Islands of it, man. From the studios to Volcano Bay, this is the Universal Joint, a podcast devoted to all things universal with your host, Jim Hill and Dustin Foods. Welcome to the Universal Joint Podcast. I'm entertainment writer Jim Hill, and my co-host Dustin Fuse and I are recording today's show on Saturday, February 2nd, which, as any good Bill Murray fan will tell you, is Groundhog Day. Now, according to Punxsutawney Phil, we're in for an early spring. But, of course, if you're headed down to the Universal Orlando Resort in the coming week, given that the current temperature is 73... It's already going to feel like spring, but the best part about going down to Universal right now is you not only get an early spring, but if you you happen to wander through the gate there by February 9th, you also get an early Mardi Gras. Are you a big Mardi Gras fan, Dustin? Uh, I love anything with food and anything with music. I've always been a huge jazz fan, so this type of an experience brings live music and just a lot of fun into reality and i think that right now we all need a little bit more jazz and really good food in our lives now if we're talking about the really for real mardi gras the one that that's held in new orleans that doesn't actually get underway till fat tuesday which in 2019 lands on march 4th and then the festivities run through ash wednesday which i I'm reading the calendar right, it's March 5th. Not a very long holiday there. Mind you, if you talk to the tourism board folks in Louisiana, they'll tell you if you you really want to have sort of a quintessential New Orleans version of Mardi Gras, you need to be down there on March 1st or 2nd. That way you're guaranteed to sort of see the really big parades, the Bacchus, the, the Rex, the Zulu. Whereas, you know, if we're talking about the universal version... Again, it starts on February 9th and then stretches all the way to April 4th, which is almost eight weeks. Now, for today's show, you wanted to focus more on the food. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. And with any sort of event that goes on at Universal Orlando Resort, there are many components and many talented people coming together to make these experiences that much more memorable. So mm-hmm. when you're bringing Mardi Gras into the theme parks, you want to make sure that you're being authentic. So for this year, what, what, what you're going to be seeing is, you know, you'll walk into Universal Studios Florida and the theme park's uh, French Quarter Courtyard, which just in case you're wondering, is located right where Universal Studios Florida Production Central and the New York City area intersect. That's where Universal is going to be taking things to a whole different level. Food is a big part, huge part. Previously, when I've gone to this thing, you know, you go to the French Quarter Courtyard, they hand you this giant plate of food. (laughs) But this year, they're they're doing something different? They're doing very small tasting sizes, a, a menu that's more focused around providing you with options instead of getting you full off of a single piece. And that is huge. So is there a place perhaps they've borrowed this idea from? It sounds like something from up the street at uh, Epcot with their many, many um, food festivals. Interesting point. Yeah, I think you and I have have done the walk around Epcot with, you know, our, our gift cards or cash and go from one stall to the next to the next. And you don't realize exactly how much you're spending until the end of the day. And you're like, oh, that was an expensive trip around the world showcase. So we're, we're seeing that come to light over it uh, for this year's Mardi Gras. 
incredible stuff. You're seeing uh, etouffee, which is a New Orleans classic. It's a, um, a dish made up of rice and crab, which is then smothered in a savory sauce. Brilliant. We've got the fried catfish po'boy. If you're not a fan of catfish, keep in mind there's a chicken po'boy that's coming out this year. There's a shrimp and andouille sausage po'boy, which is going to be just breathtaking. I think anyone who's had that type of seasoning and, and makeup you'll want more than one. The jambalaya, I guess you can get it with shrimp, but without shrimp, because of course people have shellfish allergies these days. Plus, of course, red beans and rice, beignet. Uh, oh, man, <laughs> making me hungry. But people also need to take into account that, that this is a wonderful part of the park, but not going to be open all day, right? Actually, not even open for lunch. It'll mm-hmm. be uh, serving up the cuisine, the, the style, the Cajun mm-hmm. style, starting at 4 p.m. daily. So plan ahead. The last thing you want to do is show up with a empty belly and realize mm-hmm. you can't get it just right then and there. Now, speaking of planning ahead, the parade, obviously, is a big part of Mardi Gras at Universal Studios Florida. But it's important for people to remember that this parade keys off of the actual operating hours of the park, right? Exactly. So there are days when Universal Mardi Gras starts going up uh, Hollywood Boulevard as early as 5.15. There are also nights when the parade doesn't enter the park till as late as 7.45. We see this a lot, especially in in March, April, with theme parks having different uh, operating hours. So just check the, the website before you go, and that way you won't be disappointed. One of the other issues, at least when we're talking about Universal Studios Florida is that given the parade route, if you're back in, say, a Diagon Alley or over in Springfield or, or even San Francisco, the parade didn't go through there. So by accident, if you're not paying attention to the time of day or haven't checked out the entertainment schedule, this can roll right by you. You'll miss it. If the parade route, if I'm remembering correctly, it comes out next to the Hollywood horror makeup show and sort mm-hmm. of make makes the left next there at Mel's. And then it goes up to production central, hangs a right, goes up to New York, hangs another right. And then it just basically hangs another right, goes along the waterfront and ducks back out uh, right next to the, the Hollywood horror. Yeah. And, uh, on Vine street. Yeah. I am told that if you have young kids with you, there's a viewing area in front of Mel's. I think they call it the little gestures area. Mm-hmm. As I understand it, the guys who ride on the floats are told to be extra generous when they're heaving beads during this period. So if you're going to the park and you have small kids, that might be a good place to stake out a spot. Our friend Max Schilling and his wife Jamie uh, one year were riding. That they That was during a time when they'd actually allow you as a guest to ride the float. Oh, wow. Obviously, as they're moving up Hollywood Boulevard and make the turn to Production Central, they're going to pass the old Beverly Hills Boulangerie. That closed back on January 7th when people inquired of the Orlando, Universal Orlando Resort, what's going to replace this quick service restaurant. They tweeted out something to the effect of, what is it? We are working on an exciting new dining concept for Universal Studios Florida. More details will be revealed in the months ahead. Well, we have some details. Nothing official. Universal doesn't necessarily keep you 
in the loop. You know, I mean, how long have we been waiting for a name for the Hagrid coaster? Which, by the way, did you hear that the word that's out there now is that rather than spring, which I guess we had heard earlier, they're now talking this is going to open late summer, early fall? Yeah, and we've had this conversation with basically any outdoor construction project that happens Mm -hmm. in Florida. You never know what's going to happen. There's weather issues. It's very wet during certain parts of the year. And if they're trying to pour concrete or do anything that involves, you know, all these details and such, that has to be done in proper conditions. So that doesn't surprise me. And I think that's why they put on the the original poster coming 2019. Given that we've seen scaffolding coming down within the construction site there, I was was kind of hopeful. Is, has there been any word of them running trains? I mean, I know there's a there's still a sky crane in the middle of this thing you know, they're using to move stuff around. But uh, have you heard anything about trains being run? Or I think this is one of those times where I have to plead the fifth. Okay. There are plenty okay. of things that happen behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. And the last thing we want to do is get ahead of the schedule that they have in store. I think the best example is Disney with their Skywave. I just look at the amount of work that's going in to what they're doing with the Hagrid coaster. And I am very excited to see what will happen. But you know, as soon as a ride vehicle touches that track, there will be hundreds of bloggers coming in with, you know, video and photos and everything like that. And, you know, I I think we we know what's coming. I think that's the best way of, of putting it for the time being. Okay. It's a suitable non-answer answer, so I'll take it. <laughs> Pivoting back to, again, the, the boulangerie. You know what? That's close enough, and I'll give you a gold star for that. Tell you what. I'm going to go with what the name is on the permits, which is Project 633. Or at least that's, that's again, how the Universal Orlando Resort is talking about the renovation. According to the paperwork that accompanied the permits that were filed with Orange County, Universal plans on renovating the both the interior and the exterior of Building 15. By the way, that number dates back to when <laughs> Universal was basically raw steel. And if you walk down the dirt street that was eventually paved to be Hollywood Boulevard, I mean, it was literally, it's like, okay, count the buildings along the street, the empty, the structural steel right here, that's Building 15. So what's going to replace the Beverly Hills? <laughs> I can't say that name. Um, well, here's the interesting thing. In fact, I I think you were talking about, what was it, back on January 19th, Comcast gave its quarterly earnings and was talking about how bullish they are about parks and resorts. Yeah, and uh, the chief financial officer, Michael Cavanaugh, said the company remains bullish on the outlook for our parks over the next several years. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about Orlando developments like Harry Potter roller coaster, the first phase of, phase of the um, 2800 room endless summer resort. But there are many things that are coming from that situation, and we don't really know what's going to happen. Remember, it's all about being good corporate citizens. Yeah. We've seen this with Disney years and years, and we're we're starting to see this kind of filter into into Universal. Yeah, Comcast really wants the Universal Parks and Resorts to start concentrating on IPs that are NBC Universal owned outright rather than 
IPs that they have to license. You have to look no further than The Wizarding World or Harry Potter or Marvel Superhero Island. Just the sort of situation where you're paying out as opposed to turning a profit. So now to turn back to this quick service restaurant, how can you take something like this and manage to make money off of it? Simple. You pick an NBC property. As you're walking in the park in the morning, this is the first thing you see. And so what's the first thing on the NBC schedule? It's the Today Show. So mm -hmm. we're going to get the Today Show Cafe. As I understand it, the menu is basically going to be the same, relatively similar. I can mm -hmm. just, again, breakfast sandwiches, muffins, coffee, that sort of thing. Interesting thing is they're going to take some of the design elements. I don't know if if you've seen when NBC, they'll walk the hosts outside into the plaza there at 30 yeah. Rockefeller Center. So they're going to take some of the design elements of that. I mean, again, remember, this is still at the top of Hollywood Boulevard, so it has to fit but at the same time, they want you, as you're walking by, to go, oh, that looks like the Today Show and the big windows that, you know, face into the broadcast studio. Now, is something that came up when when we were talking about this is, is the uh, the synergy going to continue into possibly having live spots from this type of a if they if they're doing it right, there is a very good chance that they will be copying it detail to detail. We've seen plenty of shows uh, show up at, at Universal Orlando for taping. So maybe this is something where we're not talking about every day, but if you do it correctly, there's a chance that we may be able to see live spots coming in and out. Certainly something that's on the table. But at the same time, remember, there's a lot of NBC affiliates that will come down and come in for press events or that sort of thing. So I, I would honestly be surprised if it's not just Al Roker, but it's, you know, uh, folks from around the country that are mm -hmm. taking advantage of, you know, hey, look what the backdrop is. And <laughs> speaking of also taking advantage of folks, given, you know, if you're inside of this place because you're a Today Show fan, your sales resistance will be down. So supposedly they're going to carve out a corner of this, a tiny little space, mind you, because, of course, right across the street from this is the Universal Studios store. But there'll also be an area where you can buy Today Show tchotchkes. They're going to look to try to have this up and running by late spring, early summer. But again, this week we said just a, a moment or two ago about the Hagrid coaster. You know, that, that was the window for that one, too. So don't be surprised if that slips a little bit. But I guess as, as we're talking about construction on Hollywood Boulevard, it's time that you and I talked about what's going on with Terminator 2 3D Battle Across Time, isn't it, Dustin? Sounds good. Okay, we'll get to that right after the break. Before we get started here, though, on, on the Terminator 2 3D replacement, you had some news about some hiring at the, the Universal Orlando Resort? There was a, an article that came out in the Sentinel, uh, the Orlando Sentinel, um, mm. a couple of days ago, and they were talking about how Universal Orlando is going to be hiring mm. 2,500 full-time, part-time seasonal and salary positions for the theme parks and everything that was going on with that. And it made me realize that as February turns into March, turns into April, this is the perfect hiring window for people getting into the theme parks for jobs this summer. Mm. So... They're looking at many different 
spots within not only the, the theme parks, but also for their resorts. So we talked about earlier that Universal is opening up the Harry Potter themed coaster. They're adding many, many new experiences. And as they're they're building these experiences, they want to have the right people in the right places at the right times. So if you are thinking about, you know, working at, at Universal Orlando, head over to UniversalOrlandoJobs.com. See what's around your everything from entertainment to finance to sales, HR. There are lots of roles that are opening up. And I think, you know, I get these emails. I don't know if you get them as regularly as as I do, but, you know, it's, hey, how do I get hired? How do I work at Universal? How do I work at Disney? How do I work in the theme parks? And sometimes it's as easy as just going onto the website and applying. Now, for me, what I always find intriguing is when they shut down a dragon challenge at Hogsmeade to reimagine that space for the, the Hagrid coaster, or for that matter, uh, again, that the Terminator 2 3D battle across time. What Universal will do, rather than let these folks go, is they'll find these team members other places to work within the resort while this attraction is being rebuilt, retooled, mm-hmm. you know, or a brand new attraction put in place. And then, as I understand it, once these these shows come online, the, those that, that were at the previous attraction, the yep. ride show in that space, they're, they're at the top of the list, but they still have to have the skill set that allows them to work at that attraction. Yeah, and, and we, we saw that with when the Disney store went under, talking almost 10 years now, when they were redoing all the stores in the nation and turning it into the Imagination Park concept. Everyone who worked in that location had to reapply and go through the the new style, which was going to bring out this this new concept. We see that all the time in in the theme parks because they are very talented team members that they don't want to lose. So what they'll do is they'll put a hold on them, let them know, hey, you're not losing your role. We're going to put you to something that you want to go to if it's a an attraction, they'll put you in a different attraction. If it's a restaurant, they'll put you in another restaurant. And your goal is to increase your skill set during that off time in order to come back and possibly be in a, a step up. So that's kind of the way that, that the theme parks work with it. And we're seeing that just going back to the Terminator 2 3D, that it wasn't just yesterday that Terminator 2 3D went under. It was, what, 16 months ago. Yeah, October 8th, 2017. And the West Coast version of Terminator, it closed back in December of 2012. And six months, 16 months after the fact there, that part got its Despicable Me uh, Minion Mayhem ride. So Mm -hmm. for a lot of folks, it's like, okay, they were down for 16 months and they got an attraction. We're 16 months in and all we're hearing are construction noise. In fact, that's, it's... It's been kind of fun to watch those folks who work the theme park beat, you know, sort of loitering outside of the doors, listening to all of the construction noise going on inside there. But there's a lot of equipment that has to be hauled out of this thing. We're talking about 159 speakers that we used to, for the sound profile. There were six 7 millimeter projectors up in the booth, which were used to throw images on those 23-foot-tall, 250-foot-wide screens that surrounded you. You've got to see the show, right? Oh, absolutely. I, I was one of those guys that would 
go in halfway through the day. It was a great way to get out of the sun and mm-hmm. to see some great live action actors. Yeah, well, that was the thing that was intriguing about this show was it was this hybrid attraction. It was an almost an Indiana Jones stunt show like experience with actual actors on stage. But it was a 20 minute long show and, and 12 minutes of the show was this amazing 3D movie. But the thing I, a lot of people always talked about when they saw Terminator 2 3D was when the motorcycle came out of the screen with the Terminator uh, riding on top of it. That was a really for real fat boy, a really for real Harley. When Universal bought it, it was 1,500 pounds. But in order to get it to work for the attraction, they gutted the thing. It then became sort of a miniature monorail. I mean, the motorcycle actually ran on a steel rail. The actor who was playing the Terminator sat on the back of this thing. And so you had that, you had the... Six T-70 endoskeleton soldiers, I mean, eight feet tall, four foot wide. And they had the, the remember how they, they'd make their entrance in the show. I mean, they were basically hydraulically rammed up out of the floor. Yeah. We're talking about lots and lots and lots of hardware here that Universal has to clear out of the building before they can get the uh, a new attraction loaded in there. And then if if you know the physical layout, of uh, Universal Studios Florida, that's really out behind that part of Hollywood Boulevard. That's a pinch point at the studio. It's a very, I mean, you're literally sort of at the end of the the perimeter road that goes around the park. So it makes it that much more difficult. Well, and, and we were talking about how when they are putting this type of a, an experience in, mm-hmm. it's loud. And mm-hmm. right behind it is the Hard Rock Hotel. And the last thing that you want to do is be creating these types of noises and that kind of thing where guests who are staying there and paying full price or whatever they're they're paying, they go and want their rooms comped because of all of this construction noise. So yeah. I don't know if it's is is, you know, is different if you're you're going to some of these resorts that are, you know, starting from scratch and building up. But when you're looking at, you know, something with this type of a of magnitude, it does get very loud. So if you are staying right there, you don't want to have that kind of noise. It's an interesting point. But to double back to what we were talking about earlier, remember the whole Comcast, we want more NBC Universal owned IP going into the uh, Universal Parks and Resorts. So that's why when they were looking at possible themes for uh, this attraction, they of course looked at Universal Pictures uh, Jason Bourne series. I mean, mm. over the past 17 years, there's been five films and a worldwide combined box office of these things is $1.6 billion. And for those of you who listen to the other podcasts we do here at the, the, the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network, billion is the magic number, <laughs> uh, at least as far as Bob Chapek, he's the head of Disney Parks Experiences and Consumer Products, he's concerned. Um, if you're an IP that has sold over a billion dollars worth of tickets worldwide, you are now going to become a theme park attraction, like it or not. Just in the past week, we saw the Zootopia project, the new land for Shanghai announced. And mm-hmm. that's all on the back of how well that Walt Disney Studio Animation Studios film did. Yeah. Now, again, you're a fan of, of the Bourne films, you were saying. Yeah. So with with a lot of Bourne and, you know, th- this type of action movie, there's mm. there's a lot of people who would think, oh, they're just going to do screens we, we've talked about the screen argument, but 
I'm looking at this as with Jason Bourne, you have a Matt Damon character who he mm. has created for, you know, all these movies. They're not going to have him come and do the show six times a day. That's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. But you want to have someone who's going to come in, create this atmosphere for each of the the guests that are coming in to really not just reintroduce them to the franchise, but also know the difference between a live action, a CG, a audio animatronic, and whether or not Universal can put them all together into a seamless environment. That's kind of what we want. So I don't know if that's where we're going. I haven't heard what the creative team are are really going to be doing for this, but I would love to see the idea that you have that one person, that Matt Damon character, really involved. One of the reasons that they looked at the Bourne films as a logical successor for the Terminator 2 3D Battle Across Time attraction is, face it, if you, you've watched the films, one of the, the, the real pleasures of these things is that, you know, when you watch them, it's clearly Matt Damon who's running. It's clearly, you know, he's the one who's doing jumping, you know, from through one window or the, you know, into the next building and that sort of thing. So, but for, for my thinking, again, the, the problem with that is that how do you do this in a theme park setting where, I mean, face it, the original Terminator 2 3D Battle Across Time, that was a 20-minute long in-theater experience, Dustin. Yeah. I mean, and you, you factor in that 12-minute 3D movie in the middle of the thing, and, and you factor in the load, unload, and all that. This is, you know, you're only getting a new show every half hour or so. So if you look at, like, you know, what Disney has done when they simplified the track route for Journey into Imagination sure. when they redid that attraction, or when they clipped, what, three or four minutes out of Country Bear? Mm-hmm. I mean, these days, it's all about getting more shows. And so I would imagine if you're doing, you're putting a show into this space on Hollywood Boulevard, you don't want to do a 20-minute long show. You want to do a 10-minute long show. This project was put in motion before the most recent Jason Bourne film came out, which was July of 2016, that one didn't do as well as Universal Picture had hoped. Didn't Matt Damon actually admit that after the movie came out uh, in a fall 2016 interview, he was quoted as saying the last one didn't do as well as the one we did 10 years ago. So maybe people are done with the character. Now, granted, 10 years that goes by, you have different technologies that come in you have different story elements you also have a lot more competition within the day-to-day movie business there's always a new action character telling a story but even that uh even so um damon actually said that he'd be willing to continue to play jason Bourne, and he said we all love working together and those movies were a lot of fun to make so sure We'd be happy to do it if we can figure out a good story. That brings us to our next problem. Because I guess from the first Bourne film to the second Bourne film, 2002 to 2004, mm-hmm. and I want to say the third film, there was, uh, it was 2004 to 2007. So the, the assumption was, okay, sometime in the next two to three years, Matt Damon is going to be in front of a camera and will be able to as they're shooting this film, they'll be able to grab footage that we can then use for our new born attraction for 
University of Syracuse, Florida, or at least that's how it was explained to me. Mm -hmm. And in fact, producer Frank Marshall certainly sounded optimistic when he was interviewed back in 2016. He said, you know, look, everyone's leaving the door open, hoping that we can come up with an intriguing story for the next movie. But that was two and a half years ago. And Dustin, have you heard a whisper out of Universal of a born six at all in, in any of that time? No. And I think that's very worrisome, especially for a production and a, a character that was on a roll. And I think when we're talking about the attraction side of things, that was the big issue that happened with the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, yeah. ride at Epcot, yeah. where the idea going into it was we can save money by mm -hmm. having a day on mm -hmm. set where we show up with all of our equipment. All of the, the actors are there. They know in advance, hey, this is going to be a, a theme park day and you get everything banged out in the first in, you know, couple of hours and you're good. You don't have to pay to have these people come in and get all dressed up and do this when they're not on set. It's so much easier and cheaper to get it done. No, absolutely. Absolutely. But we don't have a whisper out there about Born 6. But what we do have is news of a Born spinoff series. That's supposed to air on the NBC Universal-owned basic cable channel, USA Network. Mm -hmm. Now, this TV show, which is supposed to be called Treadstone, this is the sort of Black's Arts Department that trains people like Jason Bourne to become, you know, ruthless assassins and then turns them to sleeper agents. But anyway, this was actually greenlit back in August of last year. And if you're a fan of the... NBC sci-fi series from uh, 2006 Heroes, mm -hmm. Tim Kring, uh, the gentleman behind that who created that show, he was hired to write and executive produce this Bourne spinoff show for Universal Cable Productions. And this thing is moving. Back in December, Jeremy Irvin and Brian J. Smith were, were cast to appear in Treadstone. Uh, Irvin's going to be playing a character called J. Randolph Bentley, a spy who's dispatched by the CIA to to eliminate a key target who winds up embroiled in an international conspiracy, whereas Smith plays Doug McKenna, an all-American oil rig worker whose life changes when he discovers long-buried truths about himself. So I'm assuming he's the sleeper agent. <laughs> Treadstone is really supposed to be more of a Jason Bourne prequel. It, it's uh, supposed to, over the course of several seasons... Revealed the inner workings of Operation Treadstone. And season one supposed to follow sleeper agents around the globe as they're mysteriously awakened and sent off on deadly missions. And which, you know, you would think would be kind of depressing news for me, uh, Matt Damon. But he's already gone on record as saying he's totally fine with some fresh face eventually taking over the role of Jason Bourne. Let's see, back in 2016, doing publicity, he said, I'm definitely going to be replaced someday by some mm -hmm. new young Jason Bourne. That happens to everybody, and they reboot these things, and that's totally fine. And, and, and maybe people are done with my version of the character. I, I mean, it's difficult when you're 45 to be compared to when you're 29, and you have to run as fast as you can. <laughs> so the, and the part of Jason Bourne is definitely a challenge. So taking all this into consideration, and given that there hasn't been a whisper of Matt Damon shooting scenes for a Jason Bourne-based attraction for a Universal theme park, is the replacement for Terminator 2 3D Battle Across Time going to be based on Treadstone, this prequel series that's supposed to debut on USA Network this year, by the way? We've got casting info, we've got creatives, but no info about actual shooting. I mean, 
obviously that sort of move would make the folks back in Philadelphia, you know, where, where Comcast headquarters, it'd make them happy. Mm-hmm. Universal Cable gave a straight-to-series order for Treadstone for USA Network. That means they're going to shoot a full season of this thing. But there's a lot of TV shows that start off and don't connect with audiences. I mean, have very, very talented people behind them, a lot of money, a lot of promotion, and they still miss. In that situation, what's a universal park and resort going to do if they're saddled with a theme park attraction that's based on a show that was canceled after just one season? That's a great question to ask, and it's something that I'm sure the the folks at Comcast are trying to figure this out, and especially Universal Creative. They're going through the motions of how do we build an attraction around something that people haven't seen before? Mm-hmm. And I was doing some research the other night for Steps to Magic, and we were talking about the attractions in Disney's Animal Kingdom, for example. And mm-hmm. the It's Tough to Be a Bug attraction was released six months before Bugs Life actually went out into the public. And mm-hmm. granted, it was a Pixar movie, and you can't go wrong with those, but we're looking back in time. So with Treadstone coming out and with the idea that this could be a revamp without Matt Damon or Matt Damon handing off to the next person we've seen these types of things really not connect well especially you know indiana jones with harrison ford handing off to shia labeouf so you see that but also in the same park and Mm. something that could be kind of fun talking in you know future is that men in black international is in that same position Because in March of 2008, they were announced that Steven Spielberg was going to be acting as an executive producer. Chris Helmsworth, Tessa Thompson would co-star. Liam Neeson joined the cast. And there's all these big names that are coming out. But will they connect with that group? Or will they always consider Men in Black as Will Smith and the, the original characters? I don't know. Very similar. We're just putting this info out there so you know all the pieces, you know all the players, that sort of thing. And just because we haven't heard about Robbie Coltrane, the actor who played Hagrid in all eight of the Harry Potter movies, just because we haven't heard that he hasn't shot any show scenes for the Hogsmeade soon-to-open coaster doesn't mean that Coltrane hasn't gone someplace quietly and stood before the cameras a year or so ago and shot a scene or two for that thrill ride. I mean, mm-hmm. I got to tell you, Universal is really good at keeping secrets. And Robbie, the last time I saw him, uh, which was at the July 2014 press event for the, the opening of Diagon Alley. In fact, they mm-hmm. had this lovely moment where Robbie stood on, on stage and just like Hagrid did in the, you're a wizard, Harry, he <laughs> started the fireworks with the umbrella. Robbie Coltrane and I have a lot in common. We've made the mistake of getting older and getting heavier, and which doesn't play, you know, place hell on your joints. So, I mean, I really hope that they got him someplace and got footage. And, and likewise, if they managed to do that, maybe very quietly when none of us were paying attention, somewhere they shot footage with Matt Damon mm-hmm. for a, a Jason Bourne attraction. In spite of what Damon said back in 2016, maybe people are done with my version of this character. I honestly don't think it's the case. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, 
you know, in a lot of ways, I look at what he does and it's sort of like the Mission Impossible movies. But just last week or thereabouts, they greenlit two brand new Mission Impossible movies. They're going to shoot back to back. And Tom Cruise is what? 85 at this point? <laughs> so if they can do a new Mission Impossible movie, they can do a new Jason Bourne. Oh, for sure. Maybe if they don't make the sixth film. Maybe it's Universal Creative that has come up with a way to cap the Jason Bourne, uh, Matt Damon, Jason Bourne cycle. The only thing is that in order to see the end of the series, the thing that, that does the beautiful cap is... You know, you have to go to a theme park. You got to buy a ticket. To my way of thinking, that's kind of what's great about the Simpsons ride. Mm -hmm. Those of us who loved the, the Back to the Future attraction. And it was nice after you saw the trilogy to, oh, this is where Doc ended up, you know, at the Institute of Future Technologies. And mm -hmm. and when they shut down that attraction to make uh, make room for the, uh, the Simpsons ride, I love that Universal Creative felt that they had to acknowledge that they had to do something. And have you seen that vignette in the queue for, for the Simpsons? Oh, absolutely. Um, and it's, it's usually uh sandwich between the um, they're talking about uh, a $5 poncho when it's dry outside and $20 when it's wet. It's mm -hmm. in that mentality. And I, I absolutely loved it. I think anything where you can bring in characters to tell that story, especially mm -hmm. with professor Frank, Huge fan of that. Yeah. Well, though, for those of you who don't know the moment that Dustin and I are talking about, there's this wonderful, as you're walking through the queue, there's this wonderful piece of animation where they show Professor Frink. Uh, he arrives looking for Doc Brown's Institute of Future Technology, only to find it replaced by the Krusty Land theme park. So he, he decides he's, he has to stop this. I must go back to the future, by which I mean the past. So he hops into a DeLorean and he accelerates for a time jump. And you now cut to a scene where it's Doc Brown meeting with a banker to get a small business loan. And all that Doc has to do is fill out the paperwork. And now the Institute will be able to stay open for years to come. Mm -hmm. And the DeLorean appears and runs over the, the banker. <laughs> and you know, now you have Doc Brown you know, turning to Frank and going, you ruined everything. Now I'll have to sell the Institute to that mercenary cr clown. And of course, Krusty shows up at this point and, you know, and tells, what is he? Tells Doc Brown he can, he can get a job taking tickets at the front if, if he gets a haircut, right? And, yep. Oh, oh, it's wonderful. I, I love that ride. I, I think everything that what that goes into that ride, we could do mm. an entire episode just on the <sighs> ride. No, we'll definitely have to circle around again. It's in and this year being the 30th anniversary of the debut of The Simpsons on Fox, or at least as a series. Remember, of course, the shorts debuted in the Tracy Ullman show back in 87. Mm -hmm. All right, so here you you have all the info. Consider this informed speculation, So, which is a polite way of saying maybe we don't know what the hell we're talking about. But Dustin, on the other hand, really does know what he's talking about when it comes to your other website, your other projects. Can you talk a little bit about those? Yeah, so I'm over at StepsToMagic.com. Disney Universal Trip Planning just uh, published an article a, a little while ago about the top attractions at Universal in which you would get absolutely drenched on. So that was fun because I realized that um, one of the attractions with Dudley Do-Right, uh, Ripsaw Falls, as you can either go on the attraction or, like me, you can take $20 and go and spend the day on the walkway 
as you uh, you're crossing over to Toon Lagoon into uh, Bai Kong, and they have those little machines that you put your money in, and it's connected to a hose that absolutely drenches the people as they're going on the ride. They don't think it. They've you know been like, oh, all's good, and all of a sudden uh, they take their ponchos off. They're getting excited to leave the ride, and then someone like me on the bridge presses a little button and drenches them. So. I do a lot of that kind of stuff over at StepsToMagic.com on top of what we do here with the Universal Joint Podcast and part of your growing network of uh, amazing podcasts. Speaking of the podcast, I do Disney Dish with Len Testa. I mm-hmm. do Looking at Lucasfilm with Dan Zahir. I do Fine Tuning with Drew Taylor. I do Marvelous Disney with the amazing Aaron Adams. And of course, the, the show you just listened. By the way, I, if you folks could do Dustin and I a favor, if you could head over to iTunes and rate our show or recommend it to friends, that would be great. For now, thanks for listening, and here's hoping you enjoyed today's show. It's been groovy having you hang with us for the Universal Joint. Tune in again for this and other great podcasts found on the Jim Hill Media Network. <laughs>